0: Hello, listeners. This podcast is hosted by International Idea. In the next minutes, we will help you make sense of what's happening today in democracy worldwide.
1: Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Peer to Peer, International Idea's podcast series on elections, hosted by me, Eric Asplund.
2: And me, Heidi Park. Together, we speak with practitioners and academics from around the world to share knowledge, experience and good practice, with a special focus on the impact of natural hazards on electoral processes.
1: Today, we will be speaking with Dominicos de Rosario and Miguel de Brito to explore the 2019 presidential, legislative and provincial elections in Mozambique and the devastating impact of two cyclones, Ida and Kenneth. This was was the first time in recorded history that two strong tropical cyclones hit Mozambique during the same season.
2: And according to the 2022 IPCC report, heavy rainfalls associated with tropical cyclones are likely to increase with continued human-induced global warming, as well as the mean tropical cyclone maximum wind speed. And Mozambique is one of the most vulnerable countries to be affected by climate change-induced extreme weather events. And cyclones are common along the coastline of the country from October to April.
1: With this in mind, we will de- uh, discuss the impact of the two cyclones in Mozambique, what was at stake during the 2019 elections, the challenges and threats ele- election administrators faced, and the lessons learned. Welcome, Dominicos and Miguel. So happy to have you with us.
0: Thank you. Hi, Harry.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Uh, we are very happy to participate in this uh,
1: conversation with you. Thank you so much, Domingos. Maybe you could stop by telling uh, our listeners a little bit about yourself.
3: Normally, I'm, I'm lecturer at the University of Vermont. Uh, I, I, I began to work with, uh, with the elections from 1996 years with with uh STI, STI is the government body that ma- manage elections. I work with them uh, during seven years. I was charged to organize, uh, to, to to manage and organize electoral census and uh, and election days. I, I did this this job during seven years, and then I've been working with the civil society from 2003, uh, trying to help civil society in organizing. Uh, observation process, including a parallel vote, vote tabulation, no, not only in Mozambique, but in other countries like uh, uh, Angola, like uh, Central Africa, like Nigeria, like uh, like other countries that, uh, that uh, I ask, uh, I, 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 I help civil society organization to observe elections. Thank you
2: very much. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Miguel?
0: Right. Thank you. Uh, So my name is Miguel de Brito. I'm currently uh, International Ideas uh, Head of Program in Mozambique. Uh, I've been in this position for almost four years now. And prior to that, I worked primarily on other uh, democracy and governance uh, areas, such as in addition to elections, uh, political party uh, support uh, as well. Um, and uh, so I have about probably about 25-30 years of experience working uh, with elections, different aspects, electoral support, electoral observation. Uh, yeah, so that's me in a nutshell.
2: Great, thank you so much. So happy to have you on our show and to have your expertise as well. So I understand that during the elections and the hurricane, you were in the country. So could you tell us a little bit about your experiences and what you witnessed during that time?
0: Yes. So, yeah, I'm based in Maputo, the capital city of Mozambique. Um, As you indicated, uh, the cyclones hit primarily first central Mozambique and then northern Mozambique. So uh, in physical terms, we didn't uh, suffer much in, in in Maputo about that. But it was, uh, you know, of course, two very widely reported stories. We followed it closely uh, through the media, but also through our contacts with the electoral uh, stakeholders and the impact. Uh, it was clear that it was going to have on the electoral process primarily, uh, as we uh, were supposed to be starting uh, both the training Uh, of uh, uh, election workers for voter registration and the actual voter registration process, which is, uh, it was, you know, a nationwide uh, effort taking place, literally in every district of the country. So it was already clear that uh, the cyclone, the first one he was going to have a huge impact in the ability of the electoral authorities to conduct voter registration.
2: Did IDEA play a role in supporting yes, uh, the electoral yes,
0: process? Uh, yes. So we we are primarily involved in um, in support to election observation. And so in that sense, uh, through our local partners, so in that sense, uh, any postponement of uh, the voter registration Would have necessarily an impact on uh, the deployment of the observers that we were supporting, but also uh, in the same way that uh, the Electoral Commission had to postpone the training of uh, voter registration staff. We also had to, uh, our partners also had to postpone training of the observers because it, it goes in tandem, right? Um, so that was yeah, uh, at that time our, our main involvement with the electoral process. And maybe if you want, we can speak later on uh, on IDEA's involvement uh, in the response uh, to the impact of the cycle because we also had a very small involvement in that. Okay,
2: thank you. And Domingos, how about you?
3: I was there during the registration process. During the registration process, uh, yes, you know that uh, the registration process here in Mozambique take place uh, at least one month after the first cyclone, after I die in in central region of Mozambique. Yes, what I witnessed it was the devastation of uh, of the infrastructure of uh, electoral registration. And uh, I saw uh, these uh, brigades of uh, registration process working very, 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 very very badly Mm. without conditions and uh, even the material not working correctly. And the most interesting thing I saw in that time was this happened, in my point of view, first time in Mozambique. In Mozambique, normally, after the registration process, they used to give you the electoral card. But in many polling stations, people register themselves, but they did not give them the electoral card because the brigades don't have the electoral card to deliver Mm -hmm. to the elector. So
1: they simply didn't have that material that they were supposed to have?
3: Yes, they they don't have material. Mm. They don't have materials, yes. The reason why they did not deliver the electoral card the people that went there to, re- to, to, to register themselves in the electoral process. Okay,
2: thank you. Um, and could you briefly introduce who the main actors are in implementing the elections and what the electoral system looks like in Mozambique? Gail. Yeah,
0: let me start with the second half of the question. So Mozambique, uh, as a presidential political system, which means that we elect separately uh, an executive head of state, an executive president, and also a 250 member parliament. But as you mentioned in the introduction, at the same time, we also do provincial elections uh, in Mozambique um, uh, at the same time as we do presidential and uh, uh, parliamentary uh so uh, parliament is elected through a proportional representation system uh through uh, closed political party lists uh, and each province is um, a constituency for the parliamentary elections in addition to uh two big constituencies for diaspora so we have an africa constituency and rest of the world constituency each one with one seat in parliament um, also elected through PR, uh, and so in terms of uh, election management, we have a national electoral commission with seventeen commissioners, uh, supported by uh, the operational arm of the commission, which it's called STI, the Technical Secretariat for Election Administration. Uh, our electoral commission and STI have a decentralized structure so you'll find electoral commissions and stay offices uh, in every province and every district so we have a national commission uh, 11 provincial commissions and 154 district commissions so this also has a bearing on on the impact of the cyclone because all these district and provincial level uh, structures uh need physical infrastructure to to function. And uh, so one of the impacts of the cyclone was the destruction of the offices where some of these missions at uh, provincial and district level operate.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for providing the background for our listeners um, to have a better understanding of our discussions moving forward.
1: Do you remember, like when you were there, uh, the voter registration places, uh, these centers that they used? I mean, were they flooded? No, okay. because, because because they tried
3: to install those registration center in safe zones. Mm. Yes, this was was did correctly. Okay. Yes, it was did correctly. All these register center were were were, were transferred for safe zones. So right. there are no registered center that. Wicked in flooded places, no.
1: And this was because no. I, I remember reading the paper, and it, the point is made that the registration was postponed for quite some time a, a couple of weeks at least, right? And uh, yes. during this time, uh, there was an identification, the STI identified new voter registration centers. Yes. Is that correct? Yes.
3: Yes, is that correct? Yes, yes. They postponed the beginning of the registration process for 15 days. Yes. Yes, they postponed for 15 days in order to arrange new places to install these registration
1: centres. But there was an ask to extend that the registration would be postponed for a longer period of time, correct?
3: Yeah, it it was we suppose we suppose they, they, they will do, but they did not. Right. The reason why they did not, my explanation is it was because we're opposition places, you know, and doing the registration process in this condition will not allow people to register themselves because people will worry about worry about other things. People will worry about what to eat, mm. how to sleep, they are they are yes, their fields, all those things. I think the reason why behind behind this postpone only 15 days is because of this. Because if probably they will they, they they waited for a long time they will allow people to recover themselves and have time to go to these register centers just to register themselves. Okay. In my point of view, because those were opposition stronghold, it was the reason behind the postman of election only for 15 days.
1: But there were also, I mean, to some extent, we can talk about multiple crises here in, that, in those regions that we're talking about, because I, I do remember uh, the fact that there were terrorist activities as well uh, in, in these areas. So that must have been an additional challenge for uh, CNE and and STI uh, that they were f- faced with during this voter registration period.
3: Yes. Eric, here we must, there, there are differences between, uh, between Cyclone Idai and the Cyclone Kennedy. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to make difference between these two because cyclone die although they happened in the same time, mm-hmm. but it was not in the same region. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's begin with the cyclone die. Cyclone die it was center of the country. It affected Manika, Sofala, Teti, and Zambezia. All those four. Provinces are the stronghold of opposition. And this cyclone happened 15 days before the beginning of the registration process, okay? Yeah. But 15 days after the beginning of the registration, we saw another cyclone at the north of the country. This one affected Nampula, the, the coastal region of Nampula and the Cap Delgado. And here, the coastal region of Nampula and Cap Delgado is the stronghold of the opposition too. Right. And is in this region, the coastal region of Nampula and Cap Delgado, where the, another phenomenon like terrorism, you know, yes. So central region we have only natural hazard, but in northern region of the country, namely. The province of Cab Delgado we have two phenomena: natural hazard and terrorism. And the terrorism affected the registration process. Why? Because this brigade of registration process, they did not go to these regions affected by the terrorism.
2: Could you also Explain um, or describe the interagency collaboration between the Electoral Commission and STI with other agencies agencies or actors and how successful this collaboration was?
0: So, I think I I, I should start by saying that unfortunately, the Electoral Commission was sort of like bought by surprise and without. a risk response strategy in place risk management has not been big in terms of uh, election uh, planning in mozambique and that's something that idea has been trying to work on with the electoral commission to change their mindset in terms of uh, try to you know foresee and plan for risks ahead of time but uh, as i said they were sort of like caught by surprise in a way uh, so their primary interaction uh, was with uh, our national disaster management agency um, which normally then takes the lead whenever national natural disasters uh, happen uh, but also as you can imagine there was a huge financial budgetary impact so uh, the commission was already uh, in deficit in terms of the election budget the government has had not um, Allocated all the resources that the commission had asked for, and with this, so they had to go back to the Ministry of Finance, to the Treasury, and negotiate additional budget when uh, the original budget was already in deficit, as it were, uh, and so they had to pass a supplementary budget for the electoral commission to, you know. Uh, rebuild uh, infrastructure or set up makeshift temporary infrastructure, etc. So yeah, uh, so the primary interaction, it was, I I would say an ad hoc, uh, reactive interaction rather than a pre planned one, uh, both with the disaster management agency and the Ministry of Finance.
1: Now, The fact is that there was a lot of destruction of sanitation facilities, right? Contamination of most of the drinking water, um, the sources of the drinking water, and conditions in the housing communities for those displaced led to the spread of malaria and outbreaks of cholera, especially in, uh, and I might be pronouncing this wrong, but Cabo Delgado. Uh, We have also seen something similar uh, in in Haiti um, after the 2011 earthquake and impact of Hurricane Thomas, uh, which which led, you know, to this cholera outbreak. So I guess my question is, how did political candidates and government agencies try to address health and safety measures during the campaign period in, in, yes. in Mozambique in, back in 2019?
3: Yes, Eric I, I Eric, I think this question must be responded in
1: two slides. Okay, go ahead.
3: (laughs) Yes, one is uh, related to government agencies, Mm -hmm. another one is related with the candidates and the political parties. Speaking about government agencies, yes, there are some measures that they they, they took, like uh, to increase uh, awareness activities among communities on the reason behind the spread of cholera, and take preventive measures to avoid cases of diarrhea uh, disease another another major uh, 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 taken by the government it was the the dispension of their dispension uh, dispended the administration of the, the so called vaccine against vibrio to other districts and another 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 major this was authoritarian one it was just to arrest those people uh uh, uh supposed to, to to close to, to renamu who was spreading false information about, about the spread of cholera about the spread of cholera mm. coming back again right i spoke about the measures taken by the government but the, but the, uh, uh, there are other measures take, taken by the candidates and the political parties i, I remember one during the election campaign and uh, you know that uh, in Mozambique, the, normally during the election campaign, we have these big rallies, you know, big mm-hmm. rallies, big rally, cars, and the crowded of people. Yes, but in this case, in those provinces, we did not see this. We see, we saw another strat- strategy of the candidates going going door to door campaigns knocking doors someone's doors in order to speak with them in order to 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 avoid the contamination of the cholera and the and the, at, to avoid the contamination of cholera people uh those political parties and the candidates they change their strategy in during 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 the election campaign in order to avoid the contamination of cholera
1: oh, that's a that's a really interesting point yes i think that you just made um Door-to-door, so it kind of going from these large campaign events to, you know, door-to-door canvassing, kind of. um, Something we've also seen in uh, in other parts of the world during um, times of epidemics.
2: We've also seen in many elections across the world that with the rise of social media and accessibility of the internet, this has meant that the spread of myths and disinformation has become more common. So was this something that Mozambique also experienced? And if so, what type of information was being spread?
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I don't think that there was, uh, if I recall, um, uh, major disinformation or misinformation ar- around the issue of the cyclones, the, its impact, uh, etc. Um, there was, of course, uh, as in countries where elections are deeply uh, divisive and conflictual uh, political processes. Uh, A lot of disinformation and misinformation about the actual electoral process, that's that's a common occurrence. and it, It gets worse as as more people are on social media and there's an increased use of social media. To spread uh, all sorts of uh, information. So, uh, you know, especially when voter registration eventually started around whether, you know, uh, people were being uh, barred from having access to voter registration uh, posts or whether uh, voter registration uh, posts were uh, opening on time or not. So, there was a lot of um, unfiltered, um, yeah, commentary that sometimes misled uh, people uh, about what was going on on the ground. Um, there was more like a discussion on social media whether people that were displaced would be able to register or not register, whether they would register where in displacement camps or uh, they would wait for them to go back to their because our, our 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 electoral law requires that people vote where they were registered and they are supposed to register where they live And so that creates when you are a displaced person, then where is your uh, habitual area of residence becomes a disputed fact. And then uh, uh, if you register in a in a displacement camp, where are you going to vote because you're supposed to go back to the same school uh, to vote uh, months later. And so, yeah. A lot of discussions about that took place on social media and not always the right responses uh, (laughs) were uh, presented especially because our electoral commission is not very good uh, sometimes uh, in terms of communication and public information uh, strategy they are very formal and very reactive rather than proactive and so yeah it was more like people having questions and doubts and not be having them answered Uh, And, of course, that always opens space for other people to come in and uh, spread uh, wrong information uh, and wrong answers.
2: So, just as a follow-up, what were some methods, were there any methods of trying Mm. to ensure that the questions that voters may have had were being answered and false information was being Mm. combated against?
0: And so, the Electoral Commission typically... Um, as a very conservative, let me call it that way, approach to 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 public information, uh, they use uh, regular traditional media, so a lot of um, you know radio adverts, TV adverts, um, uh, press conferences, statements. But you know, for many people, it doesn't reach them, uh, uh, and so here probably what played a key role was the network of community radios that exist in Mozambique. Uh, Many of them operated by, you know, small independent, um, uh, you know, radio initiatives. Uh, And here civil society also played a very strong role in taking those official messages from the Electoral Commission and, you know, putting them in more (laughs) accessible language and sometimes in local languages, not in Portuguese. and transmitting them through community radios, so that it could reach people uh, more easily. Um, so that was one way that, at least on, on the civil society side, we tried to uh, take, you know, the big, uh, very formal and official communication from the electoral commission and make it more accessible to 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 the voters on the ground. That's an excellent uh, example of what
1: civil society can do too, yeah. um, uh, in terms of dealing with myths and disinformation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I uh, I was wondering if, if we could now maybe move or shift again uh, to yes. uh, to election day. Um, it would be interesting election to hear day. from you what w- what it was like on the ground uh, and what your experiences were.
3: Yes, you know, Mozambique is 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 a very strange and special case, <laughs> you know. And this uh, in 2019, again, uh, it was the same situation. During the day, nobody's there in the polling station. During the day, nobody's there. There are crowd from 7 until 8. 8 until uh, 4 p.m., there are nobody there. But at 4, until the, the closure of the polling station, there are crowd again. And the most interesting thing is those who voted after after the vote, instead of going home, they concentrate themselves there, in order to, to to see the counting process, because they don't trust the electoral authorities, you know. And they concentrate themselves there because they 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 the argument is they would like to to see how the electoral authorities will do will, will do the counting to not st- steal their, their, their votes. And in that time the intervention of the police is is very is, is is very intense. intervention of the police is very intense. So in terms of if if we make we make, we make comparison between the last process and this process, there are no difference. We saw the same thing that we we
1: we used to use to see in election day. Did you see any um, domestic observers or international observers uh, on election day?
3: You know, domestic observer, observers and the international observers used to be in this polling station in the cities. You know, right? Yes, because because they say that no we cannot we cannot move so far from from the big cities, you know. Yeah. So when you go to those polling stations affected by 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 the cyclone, you find nobody anybody there. There are no observers. Uh, it's 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 true that you can find some domestic observers, but internal observers no. It's not usual. Because a few a few of people are not big numbers and then they say that they cannot go so far because they are, they are there are issues of security issues of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, regulation in their in their entities all those things that do not allow them to go for those polling stations that their presence is really important.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you, that's a really good point, um, that um, elections observers are, are needed throughout the country, both um, yes. urban and rural areas.
3: Yes, yes. This I, is the point, Eric.
1: Thank you. Um, but
3: unfortunately, we don't, we don't see that.
1: Mm. Mm. Yes. Um, Miguel, um, what was it like on the ground on election day? Uh, what were your experiences?
0: And so on election day, um, the effects of 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 the of the. Uh, of the- <laughs> Uh, The cyclones was still felt because, of course, uh, with lack of resources. And it was not a a lot of time, as you remember, the second cyclone hit at the end of April and the elections took place in October uh, in a country as big as Mozambique and with uh, serious problems of uh, transportation and roads and all that. Most of the infrastructure that is normally used for voting, uh, i.e. schools, normally primary and secondary schools or small buildings uh, in in more rural areas. I mean, many of them had not been uh, rebuilt by by October. And so uh, you saw a lot of makeshift uh, constructions uh, done by the electoral commission, basically using wood and reeds to cover <laughs> the roofs of those uh, small shacks, basically to to operate it as as, as uh, polling centers. And uh, uh, this is where maybe I can share a little bit of ideas. Uh, contribution, it was not out of ITS pockets. Uh, as, as you know, uh, our main donor in Mozambique is the European Union. The European Union wanted to contribute uh, to the response in many different ways, so they asked us to use our program in Mozambique uh, to purchase, uh, I think it was 120 uh, tenths uh, to be used uh, in the cyclone heat areas as uh, polling stations uh, and so so that's what we did uh, I think primarily distributed them in the central provinces uh, sufala manica uh, primarily uh, that's where we put our tents. Uh, which were then donated to uh, election management for future use. Uh, so that's one small. Way. So on 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 election day, we still saw the impact of the cyclone through, you know, the the the, the infrastructures that was used for for polling stations, but also. Uh, I don't think there were many, many cases, but there were still issues of people who were not sure where they should go and vote uh, because they registered elsewhere. And, you know, their, their registration had to be transferred to their original areas of, of, of um, uh, where they usually live. So, yeah, there was a little bit of that kind of confusion in some of those provinces. Those were very populated provinces. So it's. It's only natural that yeah, the numbers were high. Uh, so I would say these two things was was what we could still see uh, in October on the ground on election day.
1: Miguel, I just have a follow up question. You mentioned uh, the patching of the tents, and that, mm-hmm. uh, also I assume that there was a need for electricity. Uh, how how did the election commission
0: deal with that issue? Yes. Yeah, so. Already Mozambique, uh, it has been improving lately, but Mozambique has a very low rate of uh, uh, electric grid uh, distribution, especially in rural areas. So already in rural areas, it's normal for polling stations to operate with uh, generators, uh, diesel fueled generators normally. Um, But also we see increasingly uh, the use of solar panels. and so it was primarily a con- so electro commission for some areas that purchase additional generators in addition to what they normally have as backup uh, or even primary source of of, of electricity but also uh, the, de- the the deployment of of, of smaller uh, solar panels uh, and so that was primarily uh, the main response. Uh, in in urban areas hit by the cyclone, uh, the electric grid was restored fairly fast. But it was more in the rural areas that the problem was still uh, more prevalent.
1: Thanks, Miguel. Uh, just a last question then um, on the topic of uh, the cyclone: um, Are there any lessons learned uh, from the 2019 elections that the uh, CNE and STI? should take into consideration when implementing elections in 2024?
0: I think they've sort of like taken on board, um, yeah, some lessons, primarily the fact that they were not prepared. So I think now it's more in their minds that, you know, uh, Mozambique uh, is, is a cyclone-prone uh, area, so it could be, you know, destruction either from... Direct impact of the winds of a cyclone, but also uh, if it comes with heavy rains, then the impact of flooding as well. So it's it's normally a dual impact that cyclones have. Uh, and so uh, I was very happy to learn uh, a month ago or so that the Electro Commission is now working with the um, uh, what we call them meteorology institute of mozambique but also with the disaster management agency one to map uh, risk areas uh, both in terms of uh, cyclones normally the entire coast of mozambique the entire 2500 kilometers of coast that we have it's a risk area for for cyclones but also the 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 major river basins and we have some large rivers. I mean, starting with the Zambezi River, one of the largest rivers in Africa. So um, so that's that's one area, the mapping of uh, risk areas, both for flooding and for cyclones to hit, but also already a partnerships with 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 the disaster management agencies and and, and the like to, to to see what kind of responses then uh, uh, need to uh, done. But also, training uh, members of the electoral commission on you know how to respond and plan and respond to risk management to to risks um he also also planned to already have on standby alternative sources of of electricity but also uh having maybe you know 100 200 300 strong ends on standby in case they are needed um yeah so these are the i mean For me, the main lesson that is already being applied is that you need to to plan ahead, which didn't happen uh, four years ago. Um, So uh, it's I'm happy to see that the commission is already taking those kinds of steps. Uh, My only concern is that I don't think they are doing it fast enough and and, and, and deep enough. uh, Let me put it that way, because. Unfortunately, 2023, 2024, we're going to face a number of potential risks and some already existing on the ground in addition to to, to natural disasters, right? We have an insurgency in northern Mozambique. Um, we still have the risk of a resurgence of COVID or something similar to COVID. Uh, we never know nowadays. Uh, and so it, it's a triple threat, right? Uh, insurgency public health uh, emergency and a natural disaster. And so that requires a more complex kind of uh, risk. Planning and management, and I don't see yet uh, the sort of architecture for that, you know, being built uh, in, within the election management bodies here. But uh, at least the fact that they're already doing, you know, they they already know. I was really surprised that yeah, they already know there's the potential or five cyclones to hit Mozambique in the first quarter of 2023. So this is what oh, wow. uh, the the meteor guys are saying. You know, they may not show up. You know, but it may be already five of them. So the fact that they already are aware of this and that they can t- take the first steps is already a huge improvement on, on 20 on 2019.
2: Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for giving us that overview. And I guess Mm. we'll have a look out in the next two years what will be happening in Mozambique. Uh,
1: Interestingly, uh, as you mentioned, Miguel, this issue of compound risk, uh, several issues that may hit the election uh, at the same time. You mentioned insurgency. Uh, You mentioned, uh, obviously, these uh, several cyclones uh, and other issues that are, you know, that might have an impact. External factors that might have an impact on on the electoral processes. And yes, that's where risk management can be very useful, in order to map those risks and also to basically identify what uh, response is needed to deal with those risks exactly. before they before they materialize. You can't
2: be prepared yeah. for everything, but you can be prepared yes. for some things at least, um, just to mitigate some of the major ones. Well move away from elections and we'll have a more uh, reflective and personal question, um, which is what has been the most important lesson you've learned over your career?
3: What I have learned is that working in authoritarian and anti-democratic regimes require a considerable effort from us. Because while you work to make election transparent and free, they use the means they must they have to, to, to make election not, not free and fair, to self-legitimize and perpetuate themselves in power, whether through the sophistication of fraud mechanisms, including violence against all actors in the electoral process. This is what I learned. I learned in this last process.
1: Thank you, Domingos. I, I think you, you're 100 percent spot on. The the the, <laughs> the 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 critical need for a vibrant civil society uh, in countries uh, in authoritarian countries or countries where there there are serious constraints to civil liberties, I, I think is 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 extremely important. And and, and I, I think many of our listeners will will, will agree with you. That's a, that's
0: a tough one. Eh? It's been, what, 40, 40 years, almost, my uh, life, so it's, uh, yeah, um, it's that you never know enough, even after you study everything in your field of work, you you never know everything and you, you don't always have all the answers, so you, it's, it you need to keep learning. You need to keep uh, up with uh, the evolution of things and uh, new ways of doing things. So it's it's uh, in in one's professional career. It's all it's continuous learning and innovation that keeps you relevant. Otherwise, yeah, we'll be out of the game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom there. I completely agree.
1: So uh, thank you so much uh, to both of you for joining us today and making, uh, or taking the time to speak with us about Mozambique. Uh, the case study on the impact of Hurricane Ida and Kenneth on electoral is available on our website.
2: So that's it today. For any suggestions or recommendations, feel free to email us at elections at My name is Heidi Park.
1: And my name is Erik Asplund. And thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Democracy Ideas podcast. Keep following International Idea on social media. We need all of you to participate in constructing better societies. Goodbye.